sector um, and uh, focus on a particular area of innovation in defence that, that a few of our panellists have already mentioned, and that's hybridisation and electrification. And uh, I'm going to hand over to Steve Austin uh, from Supercat, who's going to talk to us about uh, their work in the electrification of land vehicles. So, um, Steve, um, over to you. Thank you, John. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, so this one I'm going to talk about, uh, a little bit about um, us um, and then talk about uh, our influences on um, land vehicle electrification and some of the challenges that, that we found, some of which have already been spoken about this afternoon, and some of the pros and cons of, of, of using electric vehicles in a, an off-highway environment, particularly in defence, and then talk specifically about a couple of um, uh, recent projects we've undertaken and finally a glimpse into the future for uh, one of our products and, and more generally about electric vehicle usage in defence. Um, so a little bit about the company. Um, so SC Group is a holding company of which there are four subsidiary organisations. Um, Supercat will be the one uh, which is best known um, to, 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 um, to viewers, uh, but also there's a, an organisation called SC Innovation who are responsible for um, doing work outside of defence in commercial and emergency services and uh, renewables and energy. Uh, Proteum uh, are a marine propulsion uh, organisation in Blackhill, is a large fabrication and uh, precision machinery organisation uh, providing uh, civil nuclear and civil marine um, uh, applications. Um, so sort of a wide range of uh, design, supply, and support capability around the group, all of which are working towards and going into electrification. So a lot of sort of transferable um, knowledge and technology within within the group, as well as collaboration uh, up and down the supply chain. Um, so what are our drivers for 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 electrification within land vehicles, uh, particularly in Supercat? So um, first of all, there's there's the the, the defence customer requirements itself. Um, and I sort of think of that as a, as a push and a pull. Uh, and in terms of a push, you have the, the, the legislative changes. So um, the drive towards the target of net carbon zero, both within the UK and globally, um, and also the requirement for sustainable technology um, and sustainability from an environmental point of view, but also from a supportability point of view as well. So um, uh, as uh, the commercial sector um, embraces um, electrification more within land vehicles. The ability to support um, uh, traditional internal combustion engine and ancillary components is going to get harder for uh, defence customers, um, both from a sort of cost point of view, but also sort of a, um, driving obsolescence either through availability of parts or, or just not having the customers there to support. So it's just going to become more difficult. So I think that's the that's the the, the push, and then the pull, um, as as Richard alluded to previously, is is actually with the, the capability improvements and enhancements that come through electrification. And um, we can talk about that a little bit more um, as we go through. And then from a company perspective, um, all of the above, as you'd expect, as our, our principal customer is 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 driving that demand. Um, but also from an in, internal point of view, um, you know, as an OEM. Uh, we need to ensure the relevance of our, of our platforms and therefore our company to continue to provide uh, a service uh, into defence. Um, uh, why embrace it now? Yes, continue relevance, but also to kind of try and understand and, and become an early adopter uh, of, the, of the benefits and the drawbacks of the technology so that we can help 
our uh, our customers articulate uh, what they actually need. So rather than just saying we want an electric vehicle, okay, so what's your duty cycle? What's in the art of the possible? Um, what are your drawbacks? What are your current support requirements? So that we can actually build that into into the uh, the solution that we that, that we offer our prospective customers. And the best way of doing that is is funny I think, by doing it by by building a, a demonstration and, and collaborate with uh, with our customers on their requirements. So, in terms of uh, challenges um, within defence, there have been numerous um, electrification studies um, uh, in defence in, in, in the UK and further abroad. Um, but up until recently, there have been a, a, there's been a general dearth of, of, of physical vehicles to actually trial, and I'm glad to say that is very much being addressed now, uh, and we're we're part of that along, alongside a number of other organisations within the UK MOD TD6 program. Um, one of the key challenges is, is the variation in duty cycle from from uh, vehicle to vehicle, actually, or even within a vehicle within different uses um, within uh, within the armed forces. So, uh, one particular vehicle may need to go from uh, snowy terrain with with low low temperatures and and snow underneath it through to a to a mixed urban cycle or or um, heavy woodland or in, uh, into a desert. So, lots of temperature ranges. Um, uh, lots of different mobility requirements, um, even including amphibious operation and, and how how you square that with, a, with an electric vehicle. So there's, there's there's a lot to take into account that's 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 difficult and not necessarily unique to defence in isolation. But when you combine all the factors together, it, it becomes quite a, a, a challenging uh, environment to operate in. Um, but the good thing is, um, I think, and today's. Um, uh, conference is, is, is a good example of that. The momentum is growing um, around decarbonisation of, of, of armed forces, and it's you know it's it's good to see that, and 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 to see that there is a pull as well as a push uh, to electrifying uh, in the land domain. Sorry, a couple of issues with the slides. So where do we see the key capability pros uh, within uh, electric vehicles in, in a, an off-war highway or a defence environment? Uh, well, I think, as, as, again, as Richard spoke about, it's the, the capability to, to reduce your signature uh, on the battlefield, whether that's through quiet or silent running um, or a lower thermal signature or the ability to, to, to go on silent watch, uh, so the ability to operate in the field, communication and navigation equipment, um, without having to, uh, to to turn your internal combustion engine in. So that that capability is a, is a is a key driver of, of some of the advantages that come with electric vehicle usage. Um, what what we found through through the, the the vehicles that we've we've developed so far is it the uh, the use of um, uh, electric motors gives you in, a really great increase in the amount of controllable torque at low RPM. So suddenly your mobility at low speed increases, so you have a lot of controllability. Um, so yeah, some, some really, really good um, existing um, capability improvements. Uh, also in terms of um, being able to provide um, a, a greater uh, onboard power for increased use of, of onboard equipment, but also exportable power to become a sort of mobile power station on the battlefield. Um, and 
one of our projects that we're looking at is also um, looking at um, uh, autonomy as well. And, and it, it certainly is certainly a simpler and more effective uh, ability to integrate autonomy on an electric, uh, on an electric vehicle. We turn to cons. Um, so currently, again, as, as Richard spoke about, it's, it's infrastructure and um, not currently in place, but that is growing with the momentum uh, and the requirement for, for infrastructure, whether that's it's charging stations or training requirements, um, um, uh, different maintenance requirements as well. All those things are becoming more understood. Um, so this is becoming sort of less of a con going, going forwards. Um, there is definitely a, a balance to be struck between um, payload uh, and range. So you don't necessarily have to uh, go um, go for an increase in, in, in mass on the vehicle. You, maybe there's a trade-off between what range you require versus how much payload you actually need. And the right solution is not necessarily the same solution in terms of a payload. It may be that you can do something else or look at weight reduction elsewhere on the vehicle to make sure that the, the net gross vehicle mass is the same. Um, there's plenty of work to do to transfer what's happening in the commercial sector to the event sector in terms of um, uh, protection systems, uh, sort of ballistic and blast protection. There's plenty of work to do there. Uh, and also, I think, as, as I alluded to, from a maintenance and an operational point of view, there are safety considerations uh, and new skills to input uh, into maintainers and operators around the use of high voltage electrical systems. So some of the key challenges of, of electrifying an off-road, uh, off-highway vehicle um, include um, uh, potential for increased cooling requirements. That's something that you need to, 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 to model and, and, and some of the, the, the experts around the table this afternoon will, will, will be able to speak eloquently about that. Um, and I think that the, the, the changes in requirements means that you can actually have um, requirements for uh, different torque uh, requirements for different um, times in, in the use of the vehicle. And I think uh, our last speaker alluded to that as well. So there's certainly some technology uh, required to make sure that those changes in high torque requirements can be taken uh, taken care of. Um, and it is a harsh environment uh, leading to, to requirements for um, um, protection against the elements, uh, whether that's uh, waterproofing or, or, uh, or, or dust ingress or shock resistance. Um, so there's, there's plenty of work to do to make sure that uh, your electric um, components can continue to operate reliably um, in theatre. So we'll talk a little bit about what we've done specifically uh, for a couple of projects. Um, so whilst the company uh, have done some sort of their initial feasibility studies uh, back in the early 2000s, our first uh, electric, electric vehicle um, uh, conversion was the uh, all-terrain mobility platform, which we started in 2017 uh, as a knowledge transfer partnership with the University of Exeter, uh, where um, the, the output of that was to create a technology demonstrator, which we can, we, which we could learn from ourselves, but also work in conjunction with the prospective customer to, to collaborate over what the future requirements could be and to be able to set them against what they are to the, of, of the possible or near possible uh, uh, was. Um, the whole approach um, was to um, create an architecture uh, for that vehicle which was retrofittable, um, uh, but also could be scaled and applied to other vehicles within our product range or to another OEM's 
product. Um, and uh, it was a really key thing with this particular um, program to try and retain or enhance the, the existing capabilities of the vehicle in terms of payload maneuverability, its gradeability, stability on a side slope, um, its ability to tow. Um, uh, all of those things were, were, were key aspects to either say retain or improve on, on, on the, the new variant of the vehicle. Um, moving on from that, um, it also allowed us to run a second KTP afterwards, um, um, which took that vehicle and produced an optionally manned variant of that, of, of that vehicle. Um, and it also embedded um, the key capabilities and, and knowledge within the company to then allow us to exploit into, into a couple of other programs outside of defence. So we've got two production programs now running on, on electric vehicles that are, are in a, uh, uh, a non-defence application. So um, two variants of the uh, ATMP, there's either um, a, a, a full electric variant or a, a hybrid variant, uh, both using um, uh, six motors, one per wheel station, six controllers and a master controller. And depending on the application, could either go full, full electric um, or with a, a little range extended, uh, extended um, diesel engine and a fuel tank uh, and sort of retaining the, uh, the payload on the vehicle, but providing options depending on, on, uh, on the application um, required for the vehicle. So, um, so as I spoke about, the, the, the KTP led on, has led on to a couple of non-defence applications, but within defence, it's led on to um, the electrification of, uh, of the Jackal on the uh, UK MOD's TD6 programme. Um, where uh, a number of different vehicles are being and different um, electrification combinations are, uh, are being built for evaluation. And the, the key question uh, that the, the Army asked us really is, uh, what can hybrids do for us? And the intention was to try and start with um, um, off-the-shelf or near-off-the-shelf components um, that could demonstrate what could be done uh, at a relatively high TRL, at a relatively low uh, risk uh, of development. Uh, to kind of answer in near term what, what was in the art of the possible today or, or to develop some strategic capability requirements in the, in the near future. So for the Jackal, the, re the request that came in was for a serious hybrid combination. That's what we, we, we developed with, uh, with our partners uh, in MP Aerospace and MagTech. Um, and the requirement was to, 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 to provide a, a matched or improved driving experience uh, with a, a useful period of, uh, of quiet running, uh, so battery only running, uh, an extended silent watch, the ability to to increase onboard power, but also the ability to uh, export power as well. Um, so how that was done uh, was the uh, existing engine was taken out and a, and a four-cylinder um, proven Cummings um, uh, engine was replaced, uh, were put in there, uh, with uh, a generator um, and four um, electric motor gearboxes were, were, uh, were, were put into the vehicle which then uh, drove through the rest of the existing drive line out to our um, existing uh, reduction hubs and out to the vehicle. Um, also, a number of diesel hydraulic ancillary components were, were replaced with electric variants as well. Um, so where we are with that particular program is the vehicles uh, now being delivered for trials and it's just started uh, its evaluation period at, at, uh, at, at Millbrook. Uh, what I should add at this point is this was one particular application, uh, but there are a number of different combinations of, of uh, 
uh, electric vehicle uh, driveline um, configurations that could be equally appropriate and applicable to to this vehicle and others within defence. It's all around uh, what the uh, what the end application is and what the, the uh, duty cycles are. So here's a, a slide just showing the, the overall arrangement of the, uh, of the vehicle with the, uh, the engine and close coupled generator um, and the position of the um, forward after uh, drive motors uh, and the batteries and the controllers sitting, um, sitting in the, uh, in to the after the vehicle, to the rear of the vehicle. That again is a, uh, um, showing another view. Um, you see here, this also, we talked about previously, some of the electrical components that we can replace the electric compressors in there, and so the uh, electric power steering pump replacing the uh, diesel hydraulic components that were in there, and a secondary cooler that was fitted uh, to, uh, to provide cooling to, uh, to the electric components on the, uh, on the vehicle. So what to the future? So this is a, 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 um, uh, a very high level um, development roadmap for, for the HMT platform going forward, uh, looking at a number of different areas alongside um, electrification. Um, so I think one of our key things, uh, both for, for us as a company, but also us as, as defence, is to think about um, electrification in terms of power source, making a power source agnostic. So that as developments in, in battery technology or the use of um, hydrogen potentially um, or different versions of different different ways of, of power storage come along, the, the, the if we can make it so that the driveline of the vehicle and the overall vehicle architecture remains the same, then we can take account and, and take advantage of, of um, uh, improvements in power sources as they come along. Uh, and, and, not, and, and avoid the risk of, of built-in obsolescence. Um, and, and particularly struck by um, the recent integrated review and talking about um, the, the, the drive for having a vehicle which is, has a sort of a, a digital backbone uh, on it. Um, now, from an electrification point of view and, and, and thinking about uh, what we're talking about, about uh, avoiding future obsolescence, the key thing about having a, a digital backbone and having a connected vehicle means that as um, defence learns more about how these vehicles are going to be used in service, um, industry can respond and, and start to, to um, make upgrades away from the vehicle and then, and then um, remotely um, sending them through the digital backbone to the vehicle so that you can actually change the way the vehicle is controlled and monitored and um, uh, optimized without making physical changes to the vehicle uh, via the digital backbone. So it's sort of a key enabler of this technology and also having a sort of a digital twin uh, approach to the vehicle away um, from the battlefield. So improvements uh, and uh, learnings can be put back into the development of the vehicle um, uh, and sort of in improve and uh, increase the, uh, the tempo of speeds and upgrades as we go forwards. Okay. Okay, John. Great, thank you, Steve. 